Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource, everybody, for board game news, discussion, and more from the world of tabletop gaming. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will, and at least where we are, things are starting to heat up. Literally, the temperature's mm. getting quite hot. Luckily, it's I'm hot outside. Very I... dark, cold little room underground. <laughs> <laughs> but are things are things going to be heating up for our starting show die roll? Let's find out. I bet it will. Here we go. Oh. Rolling a d20. And that is a near miss of a perfect crit, a 19. All right, I love it. I love it. Another one, another number crossed off our list. That mean that bodes well. That means we're going to have a great show. That's what <laughs> that's what the die roll determines. Uh, and and a great show it shall be. I mean, this is a big show. There are some very very big topics to discuss in the world of of board gaming from this past week that uh, we can't wait any longer to get into. And to help us get through all of it, we have. An awesome guest joining our party today is a former pro magic player and the founder of North Star Games, designer of titles such as Oceans, Evolution, and Wits and Wagers. Welcome to the show, Dominic Krapuschetz. Thank you so much. It's it's, it's to awesome to have you back. Thank you. Uh, how have you, how's, how have you been? How is your, how is your, we last spoke to you during Gen Con and since then, of course, the world is kind of uh readjusting to a norm, more normal life um uh, yeah we um i have my second i take got had my second shot so uh that was about eight days ago so pretty soon i'm fully comfortable being unmasked around people and uh saw three people in the office today for the first time in a, a year wow um so yeah things are i have no idea what our future is going to look like but it's starting to change yeah, it's um, it's it's frightening but exciting. Uh, I'm right there with you, and we're going to talk about more about games and other things happening, perhaps in person in a little bit. But first, big news stories this week in the news roundup. News roundup. That's right. That's right. That that sound means it's time for the news roundup. The biggest story. Yes. No, no, sorry. I said something early. I'm sorry to interrupt. I said something earlier and I'm talking about, shoot, am I not making sound levels? I'm really sorry. I just was really worried. I was like, oh, no. You're good. You're coming, you're coming in loud and clear. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, but we, we, can't, we, we can't have any more tangents or interruptions like that because we need to talk about the Spiel des Jahres nominees for the year 2021, which were just announced a couple of days ago. For anyone who's not aware, this is the big board, German board game award. I think it's safe to say the most prestigious, most renowned award in the board games industry. And uh, they uh, have three different awards. The Spiel des Jahres, which is for more of the family, crowd-pleasing, kind of everybody can enjoy games. Kinderspiel, which is for the kids' games. And the Kennerspiel, which is more advanced games. And this year, the nominees for those titles in those categories, for Spiel des Jahres, which is the big one, we have uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood from Cosmos, which is uh, from the designer of the Legends of Andor series. It's a uh, cooperative game where you're, you know, taking on the role of Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Then there is Micro Macro Crime City, uh, which uh, also won a few awards in the Golden Geeks on Board Game Geek. That was a popular one. Uh, that one is a, a kind of a mystery solving game where you're looking through like a Where's Waldo style set of puzzles to solve clues and things, find clues. And Zombie Teens Evolution, 
which is uh, a, another edition of the zombie kids uh, line from uh, Scorpion Mask, uh, where uh, you're, you're a bunch of kids fighting zombies together. Then we move on to the, we'll do the Kennerspiel, more advanced games. We have Fantasy Realms, uh, wherein you have different wizards and magic powers, and you're trying to uh, collect different sets of cards for different amounts of points. Paleo, which is all about uh, cavemen and trying to survive and not get stomped by mammoths or eaten or whatnot or run out of food. And uh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm missing the last one. What's, what's, what's the, what was the third one? Uh, oh, yes. Of course. How could I forget? Lost Ruins of Arnak uh, from Czech Games, which is a deck builder, worker placement, sort of Indiana Jones style game that we really liked on this show. Um, and then finally, the, the Kinderspiel, which actually this year has more games that I recognize than usually happens. Uh, there's Dragomino, which is like the kids version of King Domino. Mia London uh, and the Case of the 625 Scoundrels. Another Scorpion Mask title. It's another mystery solving game for kids. And another one called Storytellers, uh, a storytelling kids game. There's also some runners up. We can get into those in a little bit. But that's the those that's the big headline is that those are the nominees. Now, a lot of times with the Spiel des Jahres, uh, you know, there's sometimes our games that haven't even been published yet in America that not everybody is familiar with. Uh, or we're not, we often argue about which categories things should or shouldn't have been <laughs> nominated in. Uh, but I'm glad that we have you here, Dom, because it's, you have a unique perspective in that you, North Star Games has published a game that won the Spiel des Jahres uh, a couple years back. What, yeah. what is your overall, what are your overall thoughts on this award? And what do you think about the nominees for this year? Oh, well, I mean, I think this award has done wonders for our industry, so I love it. I mean, it brings attention. It was the first award to to be given to a game designer. It's not given to a company. And so mm. it's, it's mm. changed our industry completely by, um, by giving game designers a lot of power. Um, so I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a company owner, but I'm also first and foremost a game designer. So... So I love the award and it's done wonders. Right. Um, and it's not like the company misses out. They still get to put down the box. So it seems to be a win-win for everyone. Right. Yeah. You know, but the the more that we get game designers earning money because their their name is remembered, the the greater talent we have pulling into our, the industry and really trying to make better games. So our the 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 quality of games that have been released since the Spiel des Jahres turned into a steamroller has increased dramatically. And I think it's directly correlated to, to their award. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, how, do you have a lot of familiarity with any of this year's nominees? Well, not a, not a whole lot. That's, um, a, it's, that's usually the case for us. So don't, don't feel bad. I think that's Crime most people's situation. City, yeah. I tried to buy and couldn't. I've been mm. trying to. That I think is going to be so much fun with my kids. Um, Robin Hood, I just looked at just now because it's on the nominee and I, it, that looks like something I'd love to play with my kids too. Cause it's simple. Zombie teens is something that I have played with my kids. Um, we've probably played mm, 15, 20 times. Okay. Pretty good. Ooh. Pretty good numbers. <laughs> uh, do you, do you think it's so, so you would, it sounds like you believe that's at least that one is worthy of the, of the nominee of the nomination, I should say. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, we played the first one more. Mm. zombie kids mm. 
So I think the, sh- the, the, the shine has rubbed off a little bit. This one, I think I like better than the first one, but it, it kind of just died. In, in fact, 15 is, it, it's maybe more like 10 to 15 times. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, they're short 20 minute games, 25. And I still play it sometimes with my daughter, but my son is done with it. Um, they're so how old? He's, uh, so my daughter's eight. My son is 10. Okay. okay. Good ages for spiel games. Or, or I think maybe, maybe like, uh, probably good. You, you would know better than I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for the spiel spiel, you know, like the main spiel, not the advanced one. Right. Um, that's for families, you know, families with kids. That's, that's what it's, that's where it shines. That's what they're shooting for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm in the market there. Yeah. I, so Zambi teens was great. I just feel like, um, you know, it's always unfortunate when it didn't fully kept, like we didn't finish. It's a legacy game. And we did not finish the legacy, and there's a bunch of unopened envelopes. Um, so, so yeah, I kind of, I guess it's mixed for me. Um, the first one we went all the way through till the end. Hmm. Though, so both of them are are legacy. Yeah, they're both legacy. So zombie kids, we went all the way through to the end, but we kind of pushed ourselves. We're like, uh, okay, we have to get to the end. Uh, this <laughs> one, we we're not even close to the end, and we're like, we just kind of dropped it. Come so on. I think it's a little bit of a mixed report for me, but I don't. I, it's definitely better than the zombie kids. Like it's more engaging. So I think if someone hasn't done either of them, it's probably still a home run. Do you think you could start off with just this one? Is there any connections between the two or you, you could easily No, there's, I mean, there is a connection in terms of like the characters persist and then the graphics of the characters, but, but no, it's a, it's a different game, slightly more interesting, you know, or not even slightly. It's more interesting. There's, more cooperation that kind of has to take place to get it to work. Interesting. Now, how about the uh, Kennerspiel nominees? Lost Ruins of Arnak, Fantastic Realms, or Paleo? Any so Fantastic thoughts? Realms came out, you know, this is backwards. It came out in the U.S. Yes. Three years, four years ago. And yes. I bought it. And I haven't played it. You know, my son was, what, six or seven? Six, I think. So he was really too young for it. Um, but we've looked at all the cards and we've gotten excited about it, but never played it. Um, and then I haven't played the others. Lost Ruins, you know, is clearly on my list. I would love to play it. I just, I don't get together right now with people outside of the family to play, you know, like more like our hobby games. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that can be a, a bummer. And yeah, it is strange. Normally the situation with these awards is that, there are games that are coming out later in the year, maybe the next year that are only printed in German and I've never heard of them. This is the first time I can remember they have a game that is, I think that game came out in like 2017 in America. And they also have as a runner up or an honorable mention in that category, I should say, uh, Eon's End, which also came out a couple years back yeah, here. Oh, so it's yeah. an interesting, that's, that's just interesting to note, I guess. Um, but that maybe that's a new thing. Well, no, no, no. So, no, what happens is um, the the Germans, Spiel doesn't care about whether it came out in the U.S. Right, right, this right. This right. whether it came out within the last two years in Germany. Right, right, of course. Yeah, it's, it, seems, it just seems like usually they get the stuff before we do. <laughs> I'm used <laughs> to, like, them having the cool games and then we find out about it later. So I'm surprised yeah. uh, about that. Well, I'd say there's a pretty big shift, you know, back back in the day. They didn't care what was going on in the U.S. and they w- didn't really like our Ameritrash story-driven, theme-driven world. Anyways, they were really mm. into just very clean family games. 
But, you know, now that they have the advanced award and, and there's a lot of great games coming out in the U.S., I mean, we're a, we're a huge market, you know, where population is three times that of Germany. So so there's a lot going on over here. So the, they're increasingly looking on over here. I mean, the, the, the whole Spiel Committee comes over. Well, not the whole Spiel. Some of the Spiel Committee comes over here for the BGG Spring event and they show us the games and they talk with all all of the BGG crowd and all the you know what's going on over here and and they're very interested and then they help bring back a little bit of that buzz into Germany. So it's definitely shifted. Yeah, that's a good point. I I kind of I hadn't thought about it as uh, a meaningful thing. I just thought, "Oh, that's kind of interesting." But you're right that it's it could be more of a sign that yeah, western games or american games, whatever you uh how, where are the parts of the world again? Can't keep track. Uh are more of uh more maybe more accepted globally. Uh kind of the same way I think of video games like traditionally were just Japanese games were it and more and more so uh american produced games become bigger and bigger around the world. Right. And as the, the marketplace has been slowly growing, you know, I'm sure we're going to see more and more that they'll, we'll see games that maybe didn't pop off right away. And now they have it because maybe it's not even made in America. Maybe it was made in Brazil or China or something, you know, mm. as the it grows. And I think that's fine. It's just that's what we're going to have to deal with. I think it'd be impossible for them to try to get everything. And I get why they make it. So it's like this is what's good for when it hits their marketplace. Yeah, I wonder if part of it also is just that, especially with stuff like Kickstarter and like smaller developers making games that, uh, you know, they just it's just harder for them to get it translated and 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 released in other regions. So it's not well, it's not like it's a choice. For, like I'm sure every developer would love to have their game released everywhere simultaneously, <laughs> uh, but that's just how logistically it worked out. Oh well, uh, Lost Ruins. I can't wait to play, but you played it, so you can know more than than I do. Palio is looks a little more Euro-y. I, I, I don't know as much about it, so I don't know. Fantasy Realms, I, I've already spoken with people and I've gotten excited about it. I just haven't ever had the chance to play it. So, I mean, I think the Spiel does a great job of, like, picking very good games. They've got a, they have a good process. So um, I, I always, I'm always excited to try the ones they have. You just have to remember that the main Spiel is, is for families. It's not for gamers. Mm-hmm. And even the Gamer Award, is is not for like the heavy BGGers. It's not for the for the hour and a half to two and a half hour games that are all in the the top BGG games. Like the top twenty five games in the BGG are, are are just heavier and more complicated with more rules than than this award is for. Right, right. Uh, Will, what about you? Wait, are we? Uh oh. Now, I, now Will may be talking and I can't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was correct about. I, we see your chats. We see you're typing into the chat, Will. But yeah, I have been talking. Dot 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 a lot. <laughs> oh. oh, changing out the. I believe he means cord, but yes. So is this live? Is this all in there, or? or... Oh no, I, I'll edit. I'll edit this stuff out. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't oh, worry because I was going to start talking about how wonderful the things were that he must have been saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can leave it in. You can say that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you need to, you know, say something that's horribly offensive or or embarrassing, we'll <laughs> we can we can edit it out later. Don't worry about. Yeah. It. Do you want me to talk about all the people in the industry I don't like? Right. Yeah. Right. That would be perfect. <laughs> that, that would. That's good podcasting. <laughs> testing. Testing. All right. So I guess there was an issue, and 
we dismissed it, but you were right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, right. that's just how it always works. All right. Something likes to sneak around, but going back to the spiel. Yes, please. <laughs> um, Thoughts on the know, spiel. Obviously, with the main award, we've already heard a lot about uh, Micro Macro, and I'm very interested to try that one out. Uh, I've heard about the, the zombie teens, but I think maybe the first one, not the evolution. Once again, uh, Arnak is beginning a lot of attention as well, so it makes sense to be seen here. I did not know about the uh, fantasy game. And Paleo, well, I remember on Kickstarter. You know about Fantasy Realms tangentially because we've discussed it in that we played Red Rising, which was uh, Fantasy Realms was said to be a huge inspiration, but it's a sim similar game style. Right, but I don't remember. Like, you, for you forgot the name, but we have talked yeah. about it. <laughs> but Paleo, I remember the... Like, when it, I think we had it as a Kickstarter pick starter a while back. Yeah, we've been talking about that one for a while. I haven't played it, though. Uh, it's tough. tough. It's tough to play the Spiel games in any given year. <laughs> well, in but, Yeah, because just getting the right number of people or something for some of these. Well, yeah, getting any people <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, so I used to go to... Well, I used to, but I still do. I, I, I will go to BGG Spring in the future, and I play every one of the games that are nominated. Oh yeah, the kid games. So I've I've usually played them all ever since the spiel has been coming over on BGG Spring. So I don't know the last four years maybe. Honestly, all the kid games I got to say really are intriguing to me. Obviously, King Domino I like. So Dragon Domino has dragons. I'm probably gonna <laughs> just enjoy that. But the other ones still look fun. I remember when the Mia London game was shown off. I didn't. I mean, it looked like a family game, but I thought that looks like fun to me. Like I didn't think of it. Usually the Kinderspiel are like, oh, that would be fun to play with a kid. But that one, I just thought that looks like fun as an adult too. So uh, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we've, like you said, we've heard so much buzz about micro macro. I'm very curious about that one. And I really liked Lost Ruins of Arnak and I've heard good things about the other titles. So uh yeah, I, I got nothing to complain about, <laughs> or and nobody would want to hear me complain anyway if I did. Some other, they also have Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion is also a runner-up for the Kenner Spiel, uh, which is cool, as well as Barrage, which so many people have told us to play, <laughs> and we haven't. Uh, and also kind of going with what you were saying earlier, that I, sometimes the Spiel de Ziara's nominees are are pretty, can be pretty Euro-y, and I feel like this is a year where I look at them and they all look like very thematic. They're like weird and colorful. And I I, I want to play them all. And I don't have a, you know, my usual bias against dry Euro games. <laughs> I actually really uh, like Euro games, but you yeah. Know. And I will say in particular, because this is when I was a bit more optimistic at the beginning of when we all decided we had to stay inside. I bought Barrage. That was one of my few purchases during last mm. uh, quote unquote Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, so it's been sitting one? there waiting. <laughs> well, I, I don't think so. Too bad it's just a runner-up, so it's not even important. <laughs> but uh, interesting. But you know what yeah. that really means is it was too complicated to win. Mm. That that yeah. one is just way too complicated to win. So they they like to give a nod, but but it's not going to win. Right, and I always say with any of these, whether it's the Spiel or Borgen Geek, nominated is still something you should take a look at. Yeah. Well, yeah. especially when they, they only have like, you know, it's three nominees and then four honorable mentions, like compared to all the games that come out every year. Yeah. They're probably worth thinking about trying if you get the chance. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at the weight on the BGG, Barrage is a, over a four. Mm. Nothing like that, even close to that. I mean, the, the, I think any of their wins on the advanced games are under three weight. Yeah. I mean, starting I, I think... with what, Dominion, Seven Wonders. I mean, if you just look at their wins, Quacks, they're, they're, they're not even, they're like probably 2.5 weight is probably about as high as they go. They But they've nominate, they've like, given a nod to some of the more complicated games, but they're basically saying like, oh, this is a great game, but it's not for our market. I think we even mm-hmm. brought that up with Lash Beal, John. We felt like there needed to be like just one more that's even higher or something. We had a lot that? of arguments last year about <laughs> about where things should go, yeah. This year doesn't seem as um, contentious, but maybe that's because we're less familiar with some of the nominees, but... <laughs> Uh, it, uh, yeah, good stuff. We, well, we will find out, uh, sometime in June, I, or maybe it's July when they usually, uh, announce the winners. I, I can't remember anymore, but, uh, within the next month or two. And of course we'll report back about that. Uh, so that's very exciting to have that out in the world. Next story. We are going to talk about, can I make a prediction? Oh yes, please. Oh yes. Oh, which one do you think is going to win? Shouldn't we all do that? I, I you're think right. You're Rome right. City is going to do it, and then I don't know Paleo at all, so I'm going to go with Lost Ruins. Well, I, actually, maybe not. Let me look and see how complicated Lost Ruins is. I haven't played. I, I definitely think it's going to go to Lost Ruins because I remember Paleo, but playing Lost Ruins is, I think, just that teeny bit simpler, but still like has such amazing, gorgeous pieces and art and stuff. It's just it's hard not to like it when it's see when you see it hit the table. Um, I'll definitely join you on micro macro crime city. I think that's that seems like a front runner, especially maybe mm-hmm. just because from the buzz also that we've heard over here. It also just seems like the more innovative one. It, yeah, innovation is still big for this award. Yeah, it's it's very different from a typical board game. I'll I'll, I'll say the other one and say I think maybe Fantastic Realms will take uh, will take the Kenner spiel. Uh, it, it's it seems like. Uh, from what I basically from what I've heard and from playing Red Rising, so I've kind of in my mind created a picture of what I think this game plays like. <laughs> uh, I think maybe that'll be the sweet spot for that category. Lost Ruins of Arnak to me, it, it, it does feel a little heavier than this than this award slightly, but maybe I, I guess maybe people disagree with me that I'm, I maybe I'm overstating the compl- how complicated it is. Uh, no, I see where you're coming from with that, but I think it's like. Like if it was, if there's a range of heaviness, it's on the heavy side, but it doesn't pass that line. Like we mentioned with uh, barrage, mm. at least yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll find out now. Now it, we're on record, so everyone can see. <laughs> Wait, no one said what kid game they thought was going to win. <laughs> yeah, that I have no idea. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's going to be a surprise out of nowhere. They're going to give it to the honorable mention hip hop hippo. <laughs> Just because what a great name that is. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, uh, we'll we'll find out sometime soon uh, how correct, how accurate our predictions were. Now we move on to the retail world. Interest. This is this is of great interest to me. I think this story is kind of fascinating. So it, during the pandemic, I, I would say in the past six months or so, give or take, uh, trading cards. We've t- we've talked about this a little bit on the show too. Trading cards have become really big uh, and especially in the sense of you know people 
trying to get their hands on them, camping out, getting them graded, trying to sell them for some extra money, whatever they could find in their attic, what have you. People are bored during the pandemic, whatever whatever the reasoning is. And one of the biggest uh, hotspots of that has been Pokemon cards, specifically at Target, where people have been going to Target stores very early in the morning when they know a Pokemon shipment is coming in, camping out, and rushing to try to buy packs to try and get rare, valuable cards to the point where Target had to start instituting, you know, line systems and like really policing people and keeping things safe and calm. And now, as of last Friday, May 14th, they have announced they are no longer selling Pokemon cards or uh, sports trading cards, MLB, NFL or NBA Uh because this the situation for them has just become too extreme. Uh, and this, I mean, I, I can't think of any time in my life when like there has been, a, you know, we have lived through a lot of Black Fridays, a lot of Tickle Me Elmos and Beanie Babies. But for a store to say this thing that everyone's going crazy for, we don't want to make money off it anymore. <laughs> that's kind of bonkers. Uh I, so I don't know, Dom. What do, what do you think about? Have you do you have familiarity? I, I think you've mentioned before that maybe your son does he likes Pokemon cards. <laughs> he doesn't play the game, but yeah, yeah, he <laughs> loves tr- trading for them, and yeah. <laughs> so um, do you, yeah, what's have you had any? Uh, you I, I think it can be kind of toxic. I get it. Um, um, so a l- maybe a, maybe a parallel a little bit is when uh, Stonemeyer Jamie said that he's going to no longer do Kickstarters. And it's like, whoa, but aren't you doing great on Kickstarter? But he was, but he also had all this toxic stuff that he had to deal with because the, the community on Kickstarter is a is a difficult one to manage where they feel entitled and they get angry and they just get mad and they try to come with pitchforks and try to get you to do things that really aren't in the best interest of your company. Mm. So um, I think it's similar, you know, that you got you to gotta balance uh, the revenue that you're making with like, the toxicity that you have to deal with. So they, they got to a point where they said, Hey, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and, and will you are, um, you've once you collected Pokemon cards in the past, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm also, I, I think you've been following this story. Well, yes, in particular, because, uh, target was supposedly one of the only places you could get the Digimon trading card game, which I'm pretty sure is getting hit by this just because it has Mon at the end. <laughs> you know target pretty... seems like uh i remember like you know when dice masters first came out target was a big hot spot for that like they seem to be in terms of the mass retail stores i feel like they are they always get hit kind of hard when for the stuff that's hard to find and the collectible stuff but that's a sense that i get the one of the reasons why they're doing this because i've actually listened to people who've done this and why this all's going on <laughs> target like most of the other things they literally like i'm gonna place place an order with hasbro you know for five thousand units whatever it is comes in huge truck in the back whenever that's not how the trading cards work there's an independent guy who comes in like through the front who brings this stuff in hmm. so it's much smaller they don't even know half the time what how much is coming in and what they're getting so it just becomes this strange game of almost like hunting down that one stalker, <laughs> the one guy who stalks things. I, I realize that's the word here. Stalk, S-T-O-C-K. Got it. Yes. <laughs> and obviously it's been really hard to get these things and they've been hard to print, which is a pain because 
personally, this is the kind of thing that I used to love where like, oh, maybe I'll pick up a pack, not I need to wait there in the morning to pick up something or hunt five different targets. There was a fist fight. I believe it was in Wisconsin. Like the day, and that's why like, all right, we don't want to have a fight club happening at the starting of each target day. <laughs> mm. We're ending this. So I guess, I guess fear of lawsuit trumps profit. <laughs> that's right. That's the one. <laughs> and it's probably not that big of a profit. Because remember, the if you've ever seen where these are, it's a small little shelf area. And it's not like a PS5, which probably has a much bigger margin. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's not like Target is really this isn't like the thing they specialize in. They don't even have a big game section. It's it's usually there's like a little some weird shelves by the front checkout or maybe in the like the toy Locked aisle up by the front. Mm. It's, behind, it's behind plastic. I will say there are like one or two targets that actually have like by the toys, like an actual huge like next to the board games, packs of cards everywhere. Or what would be packs of cards? You can tell where the Pokemon is because it's empty. <laughs> and it's not locked up. I'm sure a lot walk walk out of the store if it's not locked up. So the, the ones yeah. in all of the targets by us, they're they're by the cash registers. There's a wall and there you can't get them. You have to ask for them. I haven't seen any plastic walls where of the ones I've gone to. But they are still by the cash register. Well, you must and, live in a very safe neighborhood. <laughs> I, that or they don't care because they also don't seem to stock anything nerdy, or at least not very well. I'm like, <laughs> I'm lucky if I find something there. I'm like, oh, this is here, you know. Now, now, why has this hit Pokemon so hard specifically? I'm wondering, and not they don't, you know, they don't mention Magic the Gathering or yes, Yu-Gi-Oh. I know. know. They don't mention it, by the way. I've heard people, though, say, I still can't get magic at my target. Some targets will do okay. are just cutting them all off. But one, I don't know why. Maybe they're prepped for it, but magic seems to be printing a lot more. It just seems to be in stock for most of their products, not everything. Second, I think a lot of magic players are just more used to going to their game store and stuff. Like Pokemon, I just think there's probably a bigger audience that are younger and with their parents yeah like i'm at oh we're at target can i get a pack while we're here kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah like outside of commander decks i don't usually hear people in the magic community going like oh i got this at my target like the one time i heard that was when they were able to get like the more expensive modern horizon packs for cheaper because of a mistake yeah <laughs> yeah it's wild and this and according to target this notice it is they will not be sold until further notice. So I don't know what it's going to take or what's going to have to change to make them want to start selling them again. If it just wait till it cools down or if I wonder if they I wonder if the Pokemon company will feel pressure to adjust their marketing or distribution somehow if if they're going to be losing money because of this. Well, they will be. And the distribution is big. So um, Will had said, you know, that the truck drives up to the back and that, that's not how it works. The target has right. 26 different distribution centers and they will come to your warehouse with their trucks, bring a bunch of stuff. And then they go to their distribution centers. And, and then it goes from the distribution centers to, to the 1,840 target stores. Um, so if, so if you're not going through that distribution uh, system, that, that would cause problems in the target system. You know, they, they have to like, change the way they do business for this one little thing you've got to have a pretty good upside to 
to yeah to and i think that's the thing like the ps5s we've seen just as much fe a fever fever yeah one of those <laughs> uh, furor fervor yeah uh, to, fervor. to get them but <laughs> because of it's the one item and i think just in general probably more people like the higher ups at target know what a game console is versus a pack of cards they're like yeah we'll just do it online we'll do a drop you know seven in the morning at this time like online only and pick up but doing cards it's like wait there's now steam boost and there's also sun moon overdrive you know <laughs> it's much harder like maybe we might see like you were mentioning earlier if they're going to come back with it it's not going to be just a small aisle they'll literally have it locked maybe with the video game section behind you'll have to go up to a guy like hi can i get three packs of sun and moon and two packs of magic and he has to get the key and open it and stuff. Like, ah, come into the back room here. We know where your kind is. Wait, you don't have a hood on. Bring, bring your hood. <laughs> yeah, I think beyond should... of Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, beyond makes sense. <laughs> Can we go back to the old days of Toys R Us when you had to get a little ticket for your video games and you just oh, tear man. off a slip and bring it to the front? Honestly, uh, that would probably be a bit more helpful, especially, like I said, with the Digimon stuff because – People just buy like, you know, they just scoop it into their card and then sell for 10 times the price. Actually, why do I wish they would do that because I hate going to these places and having to ask someone and like find somebody who can unlock the video game door. <laughs> anyway, that's you, why. Aren't you still doing that? You're just giving a piece of paper so you don't have to say anything? Uh, well, but that way I can get the paper and bring it to the front as opposed to having to oh. find, hunt someone down, you know? I don't know. This is that's this, that's a tangent right there. I won't get into that rant, I suppose. But anyway, we'll find out, I guess, if and when they decide to sell these again. But for now, don't go to Target if you want Pokemon cards. I mean, maybe I wonder if other stores too will either be they're either going to benefit and Walmart or be hurt by this. <laughs> already announced they're just no longer selling trading cards. Oh, wow. okay, yeah. and that was much earlier. So, I mean, depending on this fervor, if it sticks, Not which in some sense it's good because you know I want these trading card games to go. You know, it, the more people playing, the better. Playing is the keyword, not selling. <laughs> not speculating. Um, <laughs> but and obviously, we'll we'll see the results now that we can slowly. I mean, depending on everything, where you are and stuff. But you know, actually be together to play games, and we'll see that result. Maybe we're going to see a huge drop off. Maybe everyone was just like, "Oh, now that I can get together, I'm not going to do this anymore." Or maybe we'll actually see the people get to the play and what's probably going to happen then is we will see the product stick more because more people will then focus on the singles. Well, po Pokemon back in the day only has about a 25% play rate, about 75% are speculating. They're just trading it. Yeah. Wow. I do know that most cards in there, it's like, like competitive cards aren't expect ex wow, expensive in and by themselves. And like, if there's like a rare Charizard, the Pokemon company be like, all right, we'll make a box product that has the Charizard in it. So I don't think it's hard to make the competitive deck. But they'll also throw in there a rare gold only like coated Charizard, which sells for hundreds of dollars. Because not because of the ability, but because it's super pretty. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that everyone. And of course, you know, we brought this up before and even I'm doing it on uh, like people on stream now are just opening boxes and be like, look what I got you know right, so right 
it's a strange world we live in. <laughs> For many reasons, this is not even probably in the top 20, but it's, <laughs> it's somewhere it's somewhere on the list of reasons that it's a strange world. Let's stick on the subject of trading card games. Uh, some announcements from Wizards of the Coast regarding their coming back to, as we said, more in-store play as specifically regards Magic the Gathering. They are changing things up a little bit for upcoming seasons. For this, I'm going to defer to you, Will, to explain, because I, I kind of have a sense of it, but I think you'll, you have a better idea. You'll be able to uh, develop it better than I will in words. Uh, what exactly did they announce and how is this going to change everything? So Magic has been recently really trying to get into that esports scene. And really trying to push up the their their pro players a bit more. So I think it was about two years ago they introduced these no this new pro league uh, grouping. And in essence, the people who make it to this rank are paid just like an athlete by Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely complicated. I think even people who are much more well versed in Magic than I am have a hard time telling you how you actually get into that. <laughs> it seemed to try to focus a lot more on magic arena, the, their digital client versus the uh, paper. They pretty much have announced they're ending that they're, they're not going to have a thing anymore where you are going to, where they're going to pay. They're still going to have prize tournaments. That's still going to be a thing. And there's some more plans in the future. Obviously some people are, very upset about this. If you're getting paid, this sucks. You lost your job. There's also, I saw a lot of people complaining like, this is going to be my dream and you crushed it, which in turn, I, it seems they decided that it was all the commander players fault because they're more casual. Um, of course. And that was a hot thing on Twitter, which was a weird shift, but like in some ways I, who, yeah, who said it's the commander player's fault? Oh, magic plus not wizards. not wizards, not wizards. Oh, okay, wizards, wizards literally just said this is what we're doing, and they pretty much backed away. <laughs> that sounds this, like what they would do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, they they're they're not going to blame commander players. They're like, that's a new yeah. revenue source. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to know how many. Uh, like you say, you know, of course it sucks if this is your. Oh, how many people are getting paid? You. Yeah, how many? Like, I, how, I think it was about thirty. Okay, so it's not the people who are saying this is my dream. It's not like it's not like the most attainable dream. <laughs> yes, I would say that. Um, and like I said, I can't even tell you how you get it. It's not even. It's not simply just winning. I think you had to like win specific runs. It's not even just getting points or something. It was convoluted to say the least. Huh. In- interesting. Okay. Yeah. So. So. Yes. Well, I'm just gonna go a little bit on the business side. So Please. I mean. It- it sounds like, you know, Magic wanted to try to push things digitally because clearly the printing costs of a digital the like system is cheaper than printing cards and sending them on, on trucks and ships and trains. You know, digitally just pushing it down the internet is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But one issue has been Magic doesn't play well online because of the interrupts mm-hmm. in the instance. Well, so they've been losing out to games that don't do that. So that could be one issue. And they maybe were hoping they could build a community and they might have just realized, like, I don't think we're going to win that war against 
um, what's the what's the Hearthstone or Hearthstone, yeah, and 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 others. Um, so that could be part of it, and part of it could just be like, look, we want to build the in-store community because it's the community of players that get together face to face, and there's a whole camaraderie around this community that's driving the long-term stickiness of the of the product, as opposed to just like hanging out by yourself and playing digitally. So I don't know. It's, I'd say a combination of those two may be driving that forward. I definitely agree with the first point. I think when they first did this new pro league, which from what I can tell was definitely, it, it rewarded digital play a bit more versus paper. That's what I can tell. It's They just saw, you know, Hearthstone, Overwatch, all these esports, And like, yeah, let's do that. I got to tell you though, they didn't do at least, I don't know whether it, they had a bad planning or anything, even watching magic. Yes. It's not as fun, especially when, you know, when you get the higher tier, sometimes there's only like two or three decks and who draws, but I can't tell you who was the pro leaguer. No idea. And, you know, it's hard for the pro leagues. Like you look at sports, you know, whenever the news baseball football game, you have one of the people put on the cover who everyone loves. Now I want you to think of the players and who do you think more is going to set more appeal? What a normal person or Jace, the mind sculptor, like shooting up lasers and stuff, you know, <laughs> it, they, the, the pro players are the characters in the game. It's just hard mm. not to put them on the cover instead. Have so, they ever like, done like, I can't remember who, I feel like maybe Netrunner did this. Probably others have done it too, where they will sell like, this is the deck of the last winner of the, this tournament. They did. Oh, yeah. They used to, and I love them. Everyone loved them. And Magic didn't like them because the pro players, obviously having good decks, hmm. would have four copies of, a, I don't know, a guy's cradle, very expensive card. And even though they put a gold boulder border to say, like, this is not tournament legal, people still liked them. So <laughs> it lowered the price of their other products. Hmm. That's too bad. <laughs> um, but the, the pessimist in me, though, like, I want them, as you said, if they could focus more on the in-game stores, that would be fantastic. I think that's obviously the right way to go. I think that will help out the local stores, more people sitting and playing the game. And honestly, winning a prize, just a good prize one time, because that's what happens. Sometimes you're lucky. You get you, you win one. You feel really good that you got, whether some packs or whatever, is going to feel great still. But I have this sneaking suspicion. Maybe it's because I pay too much attention to video game news. They're just like, we cut and we made some money. So the stockholders price goes up. Hmm. So that's the pessimist in me. But yeah, I, I, I do think it was just, it wasn't financially viable for them. I just don't think it was working that well. It, I don't think a lot of people are coming in because they see the pro players. Arena just does its stuff on its own to make the money. It doesn't need, I think, help. Um, it's interesting to me that anyone was upset about this because it sounds like it affects really a very small group of people. Like how many people were actually like going to these tournaments, watching them, like cared about who won? I mean, I think it's there people play, wanting to play them. And like I said, there are people who are like, oh, maybe I'll be the pro someday. Right. But yeah, the other thing too is recently it has felt like standard, which is the, I would say what most of the pro league is like, that's the most competitive form has been shafted a little like a lot of the it has been very swingy doesn't feel balanced you get these cards that just you know wreck the entire format so it could be more of just the pent up rage from 
feeling like they're not being listened to? Well, we they're they are still holding the world championship um, and other you know smaller tournaments and events in various places. So if you if you just live for the competition, you just want to be the best you can be. Uh, that's still something you can vie for in in one way or another. Um, we'll see going forward if they change this again and add a whole new kind of league with a different name that uh, means something else and is slightly different. I mean, it sounds like they've only stopped the the digital like money, right? I mean, there's still a pro league for card players. So if you, if you still care, want, if this is still your dream job, you can still do it, right? It's just not online. Uh, no, they're, they said they're not paying people anymore. But they're, they're not, not going to have that. prizes for like, they will. Yeah. They will still have prizes, but it's, you're not going to be paid to literally just show up, I guess, and play. And that was the big thing for a lot of people. You're still going to be able to win big prizes and tournaments that's still going to be a thing. So I, you're just not going to get paid to play or I guess, I guess you're not going to be paid a hotel and stuff like that to fly. Like you just have to make those accommodations yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was when I was a pro player. So it doesn't nothing seem strange there. Yeah. 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 Any, uh, you got any nostalgia for for your time as a as a pro player? You ever you ever think about going back in? Now you now you can't join this league, but I guess you could still go for the world championship. No desire whatsoever. <laughs> Honestly, no desire whatsoever. I mean, how much I got paid per hour? I mean, it was fun and and it played a nice role in a transition period for myself. But um, the amount of time you'd have to put in to get good, you know, I don't have. I'd be stealing that from my company or from my kids or from myself, though I'd enjoy a certain amount. And then there was a certain amount of toxicity in that environment that was just not fun anyways. Like a huge number of people thought it was okay to cheat. And in fact, things that I, that just blew my mind because I'm maybe a little overly moral. Um, They're like, well, I wouldn't normally cheat, but when there's $25,000 on the line, sure I'll cheat. And I'm like, well, that's stealing. Like cheating is cheating. Stealing is stealing. Yeah. <laughs> With $25,000, you're stealing $25,000. So it was just kind of, for me, it was backwards. I like couldn't imagine why it was okay if you got a whole bunch of money out of it. Because to me, it was the opposite. But anyways, there's, there's definitely, wild. that was a, and I heard that a lot. Now I did accidentally hang out with probably not the best crew of people, but once you get up there, it's, you know, I don't know, it was, it was toxic, honestly. I mean, you know, we had our, we're all very competitive. And so like it gets testy when you're shuffling cards, not doing well. And so there was just, it, I don't, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Getting uh no lands for three games straight is probably not the best feeling in the world, especially if no. a lot of money's on the line. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a lot of great, like great memories that I loved and a lot of great camaraderie, but it's, it's mixed in with like a lot with, I don't want to say a lot of toxicity, but a fair amount of Enough. deep toxicity. Like the toxicity that was there was pretty bad. Um, so, and I given mean, the time commitment, you know, I love playing with my son and I still love the game, but it's, it's not on a pro type level. And you're not missing out either. I mean, you can still play it casually. And I will say, as I said in the beginning, judging by the way that uh, somehow commander became a huge target, I would not say that toxicity has disappeared. Mm, yeah still there yeah an unfortunate 
a thing in, I think, pretty much every community. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, honestly, if you get a whole bunch of boys with a lot of testosterone competing to see who's best, because yeah. what I actually play now is Clash of Clans. So that's where my competitive drive goes. It's you know a digital game. And there's just a lot of boys that are just toxic, you know, and I assume there's, you know, a bunch of testosterone and kids that are trying to prove themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's the kind of, that could be the tagline for our show. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not true. We don't, I don't have that much testosterone. <laughs> well, only, only two thirds accurate. All right. So uh, that's all the news we got this week. Now we're going to look ahead to the future. Talk about some things that are in the works in our Kickstarter Pickstarter segment. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter Pickstarter. That's right, right there. So uh, we're talking about the games that are on Kickstarter, crowdfunded uh, as of late. Dom, do you have, is there a project, a campaign that you want to let us know about right now? Yes, I will tell you. I, I'm, I haven't been following uh, Kickstarter that much because... I just have way more games than I play and I keep buying them and I don't play them. Um, but the game that I haven't yet pulled the trigger on, but I'm very tempted to is called ice. Oh, okay. You guys heard of it? We uh, briefly talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I, I would love to hear your more in-depth uh, take on like what it is and why you're interested in it. God, why am I interested in it? Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. Um, so I like the, like the, the aesthetic of the art um and then i like the the hook like it looks you know I, until you play it you don't really know which is which is another thing but um the idea of having this hex board that goes five layers deep and you're discover you're like you know i, I love exploration games so but instead of like exploring across the world you're exploring down so it's just kind of a good gimmick, and and thematically, it just seems like they put together, um, you know, a, a theme that just works with the mechanics. Like the whole thing just seems to work well. So, yeah, it it looks really neat. I mean, I was drawn to it, like you said, having depth in a board game. Uh, I mean, we've literal, literal depth. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen, a, you know, here and there have been games with like three D pieces where you have kind of like different levels and stuff. But this seems this just feels conceptually and in, in practice a different kind of mindset of literally digging deeper into a surface. Nice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and it's also it kind of taps into for me a very um, uh, almost like a childlike like like digging in a sandbox or something. <laughs> you know, it feels like a fun. It has fun treasure. Toy. Yeah, it has treasure. Like it's kind of exciting. <laughs> like i don't know i'm sure will remembers this i don't know if everyone knows uh there's an episode of spongebob squarepants where they become obsessed with this fake board game and like a big part of it is that there's sand and you actually take a little shovel and like dig for treasure <laughs> and i always thought that sounds i would love to have a game where you actually get to <laughs> dig through sand <laughs> that's the best uh so this movie is the closest thing uh, now, so yeah is this ice or is it i c e <laughs> We did have that question. question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't see periods. I just see, I see, I think it's ice, but all capitals without yeah. periods. Yeah. There appear to be spaces in between the letters. This is what's throwing me off, but yeah, there it does for Kickstarter, but not on board game geek. So who mm. knows? Okay. Mm. Okay. Let's go by. I always go by board game geek. They <laughs> they're, they're the gold standard. 
they know. No, but then I'm looking at the official Facebook page, and there looks like there's spaces between that too. Hmm. Well, this is maybe they'll have a stretch goal to. (laughs) We're gonna have to message them. Like, we have a huge problem. You gotta either double check Borgin Geek or. Make everything consistent. <laughs> I'm getting Samson FP and Hugo F on the line. That's the designers. <laughs> I looked at the page. All right. So um, that's ice. That's uh, looks like about 81 US dollars for the for ice right now. Uh, Will, what's your pick? So my pick is one we've actually known about for a while, and I'm just happy it's fine. Oh, okay? I thought I turned off my phone alarms. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right we're, we're, we're on a roll today <laughs> i'm doing great today all right Go so ahead. my pick is one we've known about but i've been really excited about because it's finally out and that is keystone north america from rose gauntlet this is a game all about balancing nature the nature and animals and life in the world hence the term keystone uh, a keystone species is something that if it were to disappear it's bad it's really bad. It's pretty much taking out the entire motherboard or something. You're you're not going to last long. And it looks like this amazing, beautiful, uh, not just like set collecting, but also placement on the board of like trying to make certain patterns and make things next to each other. And not only is there a competitive mode, there's this almost campaign solo co-op mode where you go through all these scenarios and actually open little packets to unlock more species. Cool. I mean, I love it. <laughs> the art looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do beautiful art of animals. I'm always in. I'm like, yep, wildlife. That's cool. I'm in. I'm cool. What are we doing? I just want to see cute little critter critters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got that look to it, uh, kind of like Parks did, where I, I like I could see this easily in, in an actual like National Park gift shop, and it would be mm-hmm. a cool one to pick up. Uh, and this, this is Rose Gone. This is the first game from them the which includes uh, isaac vega formerly of plaid hat games uh starting this company so oh this is them okay i remember their announcement yeah oh, yeah cool. so so cool cool first uh looking game and like like you said i also am you know the gameplay itself seems like you know like good like some some familiar mechanics but done in an interesting way but yeah the solo scenarios and things that's where i'm like ooh. I'll get into some of that. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, that's uh, Keystone North America. So I guess it's uh, uh, implied that there will be other Keystones. That would make sense. I mean, I imagine just like Wingspan, if it does very well, which I think it will, you know, we're going to get Keystones for different environments. Yeah. And uh, it's $45 to back that one. Although there's a deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. And there's well. many more fun things too. <laughs> yeah. And kudos to Isaac for going out and doing this with Lindsay. That I wish yeah. them the best. I hope this really works for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a, it's, it's a big leap. I mean, they're certainly, you know, well-known for board game fans and hopefully the, their ideas will translate to a bigger audience. Yeah. Um, now my pick is also from, uh, some familiar faces for us. And it's this game called paperback adventures from, uh, Fowers games, uh, designed by Tim Fowers, who also of course did the game paperback, which this is a solo version of, uh, so paperback is a deck building word game where all your cards have letters and on your turn, you are trying to form a word from the cards in your hand and you'll get various points 
uh, based on how many letters you were able to use, uh, how good your word is. Some cards will give you abilities like to draw things or attack other players. And this is kind of the same idea, except you are playing against uh, a boss, so to speak. I think the theme is kind of like you are a writer and the boss is sort of like your idea that you're trying to tackle for your next book. So it could be like a robot or a dinosaur or something like that. And you're, you will have kind of the same basic setup where you're trying to form words out of letter cards in your hand, but those cards will also have attack and defense symbols on them. So depending on how you play them, you'll have how many of those you have, you'll do damage to the boss or you'll defend yourself against the boss. And the other thing that's interesting here is whatever word you make, the way you lay it out is important. So you're going to be overlapping your cards from left to right such that you can only see the left side of all the cards except for the top one, or you can do it the opposite way uh, from right to left. Uh, so if in one way, the first letter of the word is going to be on the top, and in the other way, the last letter is going to be on the top. And whatever card is on top, that's the ability you get to use. So you're not just trying to make a word. You then also have to decide, how do I want to arrange that word for what I need to do this round? Which I think is a, a pretty interesting kind of a twist. And there are different characters you can play as in this, but they are selling those separately. So the core box is $35 that comes with one character of your choice. Or you can get all three if you want uh, for $79. And they each character comes with another set of enemy cards and all kinds of other more letters and all kinds of things for you to add into the game. Um, I'm, I'm into this because I, I, you know, I really like paperback. I also like hardback. That was kind of the sequel to that game. But there aren't many, I guess, other than like, you know, on your phone, you can play Boggle or something like that. Uh, a solo tabletop word game is kind of a cool concept. And those are those are two things that I really like and, and a fan of Tim Fowers' design. So I'm I'm pretty excited to to try this one out. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking and reading it. I I, I, I had just received his last game, the the Burglar Brothers. Oh yeah, Burglar Brothers two. <laughs> two, yeah. And it's sitting on my I haven't played it yet, but sitting on my table. Um this one is solo deck building roguelike. And so there's right. been a lot of comparison with uh, Slay the Spire. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. I'm, I also love roguelike video games, so it's really right up my alley. And yeah, as you go, you're going to develop like different, um, you'll get different items and abilities you can use. And I think there's like two or th there's like three different sessions you can play it in to kind of complete a full go at it. Uh, it's, it's cool. So again, that one is Paperback Adventures. And uh, there was just one other one I wanted to also mention that I thought looked pretty cool this week, which is a new Horrible Guild title called Soundbox. And this is just more of a party game where one person is blindfolded. Everyone else has, has to make a sound at the same time. So for like 30 seconds, everyone else is going to be making a sound assigned to them from a card. So it could be like a car or a monkey or who knows what, a thunderstorm, it could be anything. And the, then the, after that, the person has to take the blindfold off, look at all these cards that have different sounds on them and point to them and guess which ones were being made during that time. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of, a, you know, one of those like like a Dixit styles sort of game, but with this audio twist. And uh, yeah, it sounds it sounds funny. It sounds fun. It does sound fun. I mean, who doesn't like squawking like a monkey when they're given permission to do it? In the <laughs> I will say I am going to be 
absolutely terrible at this. <laughs> I can I have problems if two people are talking at once or like in a crowded area. So this would just be I'm going to be like I heard garble garble and gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> well, um I won't let you be on my team then. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought it sounded like it was cooperative. Is it actually two different teams? I thought I thought it was uh, maybe you're right. I thought maybe it was team based or maybe it's whoever gets the most uh, points at the end. Oh no, I guess you're right. It is full as a cooperative party game. You're, right. you're stuck with me. I just really wanted to, I, I just want to crush another team. So <laughs> maybe there'll be a variant. Uh, any other Kickstarter stuff going on? Or I, I think we covered uh, at least, th- you know, there's always more, but <laughs> those are some of the fun ones from the past week or so. And uh, now we're going to talk about games we've been playing. That's right. It's time for our longest bumper in Table Talk. I don't know, Mike. Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. It's worth it. Every week, it's it's worth listening to. Uh, now, as we said, it's it's been tough to play games. Uh, we've, we've been stuck hanging around places. But I want to know, Dominic, what... What what have you been playing with your family or by yourself or anywhere that you've managed to get games to the table in the last uh, couple of weeks or so? Oh God! <laughs> All well, right, go back as far as we're, you are really as you are willing. <laughs> so I mean, for me, I play Shards of Infinity and Clash of Clans online. You know, just the digital app, mm. and, and those are the, the and I still love Shards of Infinity, and I still and Clash of Clans is not even a board game. Um, <laughs> Close enough. My kids uh, this last weekend. My parents were around, so a, a 75-year-old and an 83-year-old, and I got them to play Werewords, um, which was great fun, and then I think probably even more fun was Don't Mess With Cthulhu. So my parents have never played social deduction games, so Hidden Roles, never. And so those were the first two, <laughs> and I took this film and I posted it on Twitter just recently. I saw this actually. <laughs> oh, did you? I find yeah. it hilarious. Now they're my parents and my kids, so like I, I, you know, of course it's all wonderful and endearing to me. But my parents, after we probably played, I don't know, seven or eight games of Don't Mess with Cthulhu, and they're you know they're short. Um, they never yet got really the concept of I'm trying to figure out who's on my team so that we can work together. They just to them the goal was. No one is going to figure out what team I'm on. No one. <laughs> I don't care what team you're on as long as you. And so it was just added an element of chaos, which was hilarious, you know. And my son and I and my daughter who've played, you know, more are like trying to figure out whose team we're on. And they're just refusing to like give any information. I mean, early on, they kind of accidentally gave some information and felt like, oh, my God, that was horrible. So they know what team I'm on. <laughs> it's, uh, we became uh, a black box and it was hilarious you see that's how i like to play those games that's why i get excited when i get the villager who doesn't have any special abilities like i'm not doing anything i'm just here <laughs> see what happens uh, have yeah. you ever played don't mess with cthulhu Will? i have not so here's why i love it there's no moderator like it's it's just you just there's no moderator and it does a good job of bringing in information. And if you're not playing with my parents, by the last (laughs) couple rounds, you usually have a pretty good idea of who's on your team, you know? And so there are times when you can just reveal who's on your team because you're taking a 50, 50 chance of winning. I mean, what, what, what team you're on. And so it just, 
it, I don't know. And then it brings those great reversals when you really think you know who's on your team and, and you're wrong. And so it's it, it just does it well. I just like it. No, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think one of our best reveals in any hidden role, we were playing Battlestar. And someone asked, "Can I see the rule book to see if I can shoot the uh, the <laughs> our, sh- our own ship from the Vipers?" And we're like, "Haha, very funny!" And he just stares, and we're like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's like, I'm what? not. He's like, I'm not kidding." <laughs> <laughs> and then he proceeded to destroy us. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, now, in Where Words, that in that game, you do see. If if you're one of the bad guys, if someone's on your team, right? Or am I forgetting? Or is that not? Yes, it, yeah. it has a moderator. It's the app, and it's right. a boring, boring, freaking part of the game where you're just like, "Oh, hello! If you are the werewolf, raise your eyes. What <laughs> word do you choose? Oh, this is the word that you chose. You're like, I know, I just chose it. Uh, close your eyes, you know. And it just goes through this whole thing, and the rest of us, you're just kind of like wait for two minutes for every round. I'm just like, this is boring. That's the suspense. You know, you're building up like, ooh, the anticipation. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I create a hidden role game, I'm going to I'm gonna be within the don't mess with Cthulhu vein where you just deal out the cards, you look, and you start playing. Yeah. Yeah, do it. I feel like I feel like Wits and Wagers could use a, a hidden trader version. I think that <laughs> would work somehow. That's a great idea. Yeah, there you go. You can They're actually trying to mess with <laughs> I love it. We are going to lose the rights at the end of this year, so we got to hurry up and figure out what we're doing. Oh no! Yeah, please do. <laughs> Let us know if we can help. Well, actually, we'll we'll um we'll still have the hobby rights if we want. We're okay. licensing at worldwide rights to just a bigger. Oh, I see. So we can focus on hobby games. I see. Interesting. Interesting. There, yeah, there's there's a lot we could we could ask you about <laughs> game design and game publishing. Um, so don't mess with Cthulhu. Where words? I I love that. Um sometimes playing with people like that who aren't really gamers and will kind of come in, especially if it's something like everyone's played a lot before everyone's familiar with it and they just have their own strategy that maybe doesn't make sense. Sometimes can be frustrating, (laughs) but sometimes can be kind of fun and like spice things up. Yeah. Uh, When when it's a, an 83 year old dad, grandpa, (laughs) how mad can you be? (laughs) It's just funny. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Will, what have you been playing, possibly, with me? (laughs) Well, uh, I've got two things to talk about. One I have played with you, Jonathan, so of course you can chime in on your thoughts, and one that I played with someone else. First one is Keyforge Dark Tidings. This is the newest expansion to Keyforge. We got the starter kit, so we got to try that out, and we were very lucky to at least have one deck with the newest group that's introducing this the unfathomable and as you can guess from the name and the unfathomable this is all sea based that's the theme here there's a new high tide mechanic you'll fight over it and whoever has the high tide usually it's good for you with the cards you have there are also now going to be introduced and i hope they carry it through we talked about this actually in our review video there's a plug check it out (laughs) um but these dark twin decks so someone mm-hmm. else evil might twins, have, I think e- sorry, evil twin. Called, yeah. <laughs> it's not as creative as dark twin, just evil twin. Well, I, I said dark is the title. Right. That's our yeah. <laughs> but someone out there could have a deck very similar to yours, but with this dark art. And when making the video for this, Jonathan, I'm pretty sure you're the deck you first played with has a dark twin. 
because a lot of the cards in there have dark counterparts. Not every card has a dark counterpart. I found a gallery. So interesting. Keep an eye out. We may find out there's someone out there who wants you dead. <laughs> I'll go looking for that evil twin. Well, for so uh, just for as a brief summary, people don't know Keyforge. It's this yeah, every deck you buy is unique and fixed. And essentially, if you're familiar with any other games like most like dueling trading card games, it's kind of a similar thing where you are playing creatures, uh, playing artifacts, which are like your like permanent sort of uh, abilities and uh, or, or actions, which are like spells or what have you. And, tr- and you're trying to collect amber to forge keys. And yeah, we have we missed out on the last two exp- sets, I suppose. But we we got the one with the Sorian, but we never really played. But we have yet to get anything from the fourth release. Right, right. But but we 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 got this copy of it and, and came back to it. And I have to say, well, I mean, it's been I we I haven't played. I don't even remember when. Probably the last time I played Keyforge was for a review we did. <laughs> like I, it's hard enough, you know, to play games in the last year. But even before then. Uh, just these two player kind of collectible card games. It's always tough for at least for me to get them to the table because we always have more players or it's like, well, everybody has their own favorite collectible card game that with their collection that they want to play. So nobody (laughs) plays any of them and playing the Keyforge again. Well, I talked about it a couple weeks ago where I tried the print and play solo version, which by the way, there's another solo print and play, which like a different rule set that they put out too. I haven't tried that one yet, but Again, it just really reminded me, like, I really do love Keyforge. I, I think it may be, you know, even though, like, Marvel Champions right now is kind of the the thing that I've become a collector of, uh, sort of by, by accident <laughs> or just because it's there. <laughs> I think Keyforge might just be overall my favorite Fantasy Flight published card game uh, uh, in terms of all their LCGs and everything. I think I like just the core gameplay of it jives with me a lot. I, I will say this, Jonathan, while I wasn't as hot on a keyboard as you because I like customizing, of course, there's always like, oh, this one card would work so much better if I can get it with this and you can't do that on Keyforge. I like this set a lot more and I think it's because a lot of the houses I don't like aren't in it, though my favorite house <laughs> is not in it. I actually was able to find win rates for a lot of the houses and um, it was very interesting to see which ones are more used. Apparently, Shadow is just always good. I believe it. it's stealing people's hand. It's it's, uh, you know, magic equivalent of being able to gain life while also taking out their life at the same time. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, so this is another another Richard Garfield design. Dom, have you done any Keyforge at all? No, I haven't. Um, you know, I'm just it's just a time issue. I it, yeah. it looks good. And I love Richard Garfield stuff. And he's now had a lot of experience with making this style of game. Sure. Yeah. Fun um, fact, that was something in some targets you could find next to the trading cards. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that we're just going to get a Keyforge aisle now. Well, like, like we said, the nice thing about Keyforge is you can just buy a couple decks. Actually, now they have, I think it's new for this set. You know, we were talking about how the new, the decks now have, um, they come in like foil wrapping as opposed to like a. They're more like packs of cards versus uh, like boxes. a cardboard box. Well, they, they now also, they do have decks that they sell in the individual boxes that they call them deluxe decks that also come with like all the tokens you would need to play for one person. So you no longer need to buy a starter set. You could just buy two decks of the deluxe with some tokens in it. 
and have everything you need to go. Which is really nice because we we recognize there are some tokens we didn't see before that were introduced from the last set. Right. So you don't need to buy a new star set. You can just buy the smaller deck from that and you'll have whatever new tokens you need. So yeah, it's, it's a good one if you you know don't have time that's one of the reasons I love it. It's you don't have to, there's, you don't even, even if you have the time, you can't do anything to it. <laughs> so it's just very easy to like, I'm going to grab a deck and play it and then play it some more, switch decks, try again. There's no prep required. Uh, so recommend that it. Nice. That is great. Yeah. What else? What's this other mystery game, Will? <laughs> the other uh, game is another little small one called Alpaca Paca Paca. <laughs> Oh, I, I've seen that. It's hard not to miss that name once you see it. It sticks with you. <laughs> this is a small little Japanese game in which the idea is you are trying to make the prettiest, longest neck alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> the way the game is played is you set up the deck depending on number of players. But on your turn, you have the option to either draw two cards, play one to your alpaca, increasing its neck. Or and discarding the other one, or you can take from the discard pile. You take everything in the discard pile, add it to your alpaca, or you can try and trade. And if you can't do a trade, then you have to do one of the other two. There are negative cards. It's mud because no one wants a, a muddy alpaca. <laughs> but it's this interesting because there are a lot of cards that are like half a bow, so you need the bottom half, and there might only be one, so you need to ask it and trade with someone to get that other one. But obviously they're like, well, I don't want to give you three points unless you give me something good. So it's a weird set, very simple set collecting game that you make this hilarious. I mean, if you don't stack the cards, like I did two player, I just, my, my neck was going across the table. I'm like, well, my alpaca is now a brontosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> How, what's the player count on it? Is it it like was a party game or is it like, two I think players? it goes up to like uh, six, oh, okay. two to six, but like two player, two and three, I think have very different rules because they want to make it so it's much more restricted. And I would definitely probably go with the higher count just so there's more likely to be trades. Mm. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's a filler game, but it's really cute and funny and you're lining up and you have this, and you can get babies too. You put aside you that want to get bonus points. You have a scarf or whatnot. And it's just, it's just so funny. It's just what you make. It's like, you just want to see what you end up with, what kind of weird a packet you have. <laughs> yeah. When I looked at some of the pictures, it kind of reminded me of, it made me think of Nobi Nobi Boy, which is a video game from the creator of Katamari Damashi. Yeah. Honestly, you probably could reskin this as that. <laughs> just be like, everyone's growing there, you know. <laughs> Also, Paka Paka isn't that, or I guess it's Waka Waka is what Pac-Man says, but that's that's what it makes me. It sounds like it's like an onomatopoeia for like for munchins, like Paka 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 or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Alpaca Paka Paka. All right, I'll have to give that one a go. I am just going to mention a couple of games that I played solo, very uh, very small games. First one is called A Gentle Rain. This has just been published by Mondo, who, you know, they've done the Unmatched games. This is much more low-key than that. It's a little box with a bunch of tiles, and the tiles have different flowers on them. Different. Each tile has, at each edge, half of a different colored flower. And the idea is you're trying to match up the tiles to match up the colored flowers. But you, you, have, you don't have a choice. You can't place a tile unless you can match it up with another edge. And all the edges it's touching also need to match. And all the gameplay is, is you draw a random tile from the stack and place it somewhere. 
and then you do that again, and then you do that again. And if you are able to get four tiles together in a square so that they all match, there is it creates like a little hole in the center. And there are uh, eight flower tokens, one for each color. And you choose one of the surrounding flowers around that little hole, and you place a token in it. And the game ends either when you have been able to place all of those flower tokens, or when you... Um, or when the deck, the stack of tiles just runs out and you get points for the tokens and also how many you um, didn't place. So every every tile you didn't have to place in order to get them all, you'll get points for. And it's a very, very simple game. You you technically can play it co-op with multiple players. All They just say take turns doing the same thing I just said. So the, there's no rules change or anything like that, but it it feels more like a solo thing or maybe something for like, two or three people just to kind of casually do. Uh, But it's very funny because in the rule book, you know, it starts out by saying like, before you play this game, you should take a deep breath in, in your nose, out your mouth, uh, stretch, make a cup of tea. (laughs) They really want you to have this be a Zen relaxing experience. And I think they kind of nailed it. I think they hit that mark. It, it, It does feel pretty relaxing. It's very, very, it's, it's not, this is not the kind of game where I think you can, really get a handle on oh i know the distribution of the flowers like you're kind of trying to do that as you play and trying to say okay there's this many red flowers out so they're probably less likely to show up so i need to like make sure i get that red token scored before it's before i miss my chance or something like that but i i don't know it seems like it's hard like there's so much randomness because it's just a random pile this isn't the kind of game where you're really like min maxing your points it's more just like it's an activity to do and at the end of it you'll just kind of have a pretty little river that you've created or a pond or a lake or whatever it is and um uh, enjoy enjoy your casual little time with it. it's very easy to set up and put away uh not difficult to learn the rules kind of a cool one if you just want something very small and relaxing and that is called a gentle rain uh, and the other one that I played, this was a Kickstarter I received recently from Button Shy Games, who do all these wallet-sized games. Uh, actually, two different games. I got Sprawlopolis and the new version of that, Agropolis. Uh, so these are k- kind of similar, pretty similar to A Gentle Rain in a way. They have, if you don't know the Button Shy wallet games, they're all cards that fit in a wallet, all games that fit in a wallet. So there's only like 16 cards per game. Or maybe it's 18. But of course, I have a, this came with expansions and stretch goals. So it's probably like 24 that I'm just like stuffing into this little wallet as best I can. And both of these are all about having cards with different types of regions on them and placing them in a way to build either a city or a more rural kind of farm area. And there will be different ways that you score points, different rules for having each game. There will be three random rules that you choose from. Uh, and you'll also get some basic points for like, uh, having, you'll lose points if you have too many roads. So you want to try to connect all the roads on the cards so that it counts as just one continuous road instead of multiple, or you'll want to line up. You might get points for having four red colored regions next to each other, or maybe you'll get points for like your biggest region of, of each color. And it's meant to be played, uh, with multiple players, you, just kind of you have a hand you play one and then you pass the rest of your hand to the next player and then they play one and they pass the hand to the next player and you're all trying to communicate with each other 
and figure out where the best place to put your cards is. I just played it solo, which I thought worked pretty well. I definitely, I, I, I wasn't very good at it. I tried both Sprawlopolis and Agropolis, which were roughly the same rule set and was not able to beat any of the scores. I feel like I really want more players just so like, I, I want one person's job to be to kind of keep track of one of the rules. <laughs> so like, okay, you try to score that goal. I'll try to score this one. Cause I, I had, I struggled with, and also the other thing is you can overlap the cards. So you kind of have to get into this mindset of not only can I place them adjacent to each other, but if I don't like where that card is uh, or the colors of regions there, I can just cover them up with half of this card instead. So there's a, even though there's a very few cards, there's a lot of potential strategy and different things that could happen. I think, you know, I, I played a few of these button shy games, but I've been trying to kind of go back to their back catalog of all the wallet games. And this, this feels like the ideal form of one of these games. I think it's, it's very easy. It's a small set of cards, but it works well. It doesn't feel like there's any compromises made really for, to make it a good game or to fit it into the wallet. So I'm pretty happy with it. I think a lot of people are fans of Sprawlopolis. You guys have experience with any of these any of these button shy wallet games? I haven't. I'd like to play Tussie Mussie. That, that that's one of their games, right? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm an Elizabeth Hargrave fan. He she lives around here, and we play test together. Oh, awesome! Uh, um, yeah, I, I've been. I've, I think. I think I also they had another Kickstarter, and I'm I'm getting that one too. Because <laughs> yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to try that one out. Man, you guys play test together and you haven't she hasn't just like, you know, thrown a copy at you at some point to <laughs> give it no, a shot. No, I haven't even asked. I would just buy it. <laughs> no, I'd love to support her. I Yeah, we we I mean, you know, we've been we're in the pandemic now, but yeah, we used, right. we used to meet once a week and it was like the highlight of my week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, her we met at uh, Matt Matthew's house who did the search for Planet X and um Between Two Cities, a few other other pretty important games mm-hmm. got it so, yeah. yeah it's fun like three and actually some another person's there too there's four solid people and then every now and then another person but yeah it's a really good group and it's really fruitful yeah that's awesome and uh hopefully we can all get back to fruitful groups soon <laughs> um, yes <laughs> oh yeah very very soon very excited about that all right so those are all the games we've been playing that's been our show and dominic crappy shots you have been our guest and we're very very grateful that you took the time uh to to come on with us and talk about some subjects that i think were i'm very glad you were on because i feel like you had some some level of uh, knowledge and expertise in a lot of the things we discussed today and we're, we're grateful that you were here but before you go we want you to tell everyone how and where they can find you and north star games and anything else that you're involved with right now Okay, sure. Well, first of all, uh, Jonathan, Will, I love talking with you guys. So invite me anytime. This is it's just it's just a pleasure. I love doing it. And so even when I'm probably should be doing other things, I'll probably just drop it because they're boring. <laughs> Got it. Noted. We'll write that down. We'll keep write that mind. down. I put me on your list because I love Speed it. Dial. <laughs> um. So you can find me on D uh for Twitter. <coughs> My last name is a doozy. I don't know if I want to spell it. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. It, it does start with a four-letter word. <laughs> um, where else can you find me? I hang out on the Board Game Geek a fair bit, and um, I don't do social media that much. I'm trying to get better at it. But uh, the name of our company, the company that I started is NorthStarGames.com. 
and uh, we we have done uh, the Evolution series is our like most popular hobby game, and there's a really good digital version of it out. Same with the digital version of uh, Oceans, which just came out recently and did fairly well. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll plug our next game. Our next game is Paint the Roses. It's a cooperative deduction game set in the world of Alice in Wonderland, where you are the gardeners trying to not be beheaded by the queen and trying to paint the royal garden in with to it, with the colors and in the way that uh, the queen wants. And she actually just wants to cut your heads off. So she's to- she's continually changing on a whim what she really wants and you're trying to stay one step ahead of her without <laughs> without dying <laughs> and when is that going to launch uh that'll come to kickstarter well we're we've we've made a new pact with ourselves we do not put it in a kickstarter timeline until until the final graphics are done okay because um, then we don't have delays and in, in like production delays and de- delays and in, in anything so um, we don't know for sure, but it's probably going to be around September of this year. And um, one of the, I'm, I'm going to just say one of the cool things, there's a ton of cool things with this game for a cooperative deduction game. Um, but one of them is you do not have to set up any of the, um, sorry, my wife is calling me. Uh, you do not have to set up uh, any, like the setup is the same regardless of who you're playing with, when you're playing with your kids or new people or super experienced players which uh ben's parents have played this over 300 times and so they are phenomenally good and the level of difficulty adjusts with your level of play and so it leads to a very tense game on the last two rounds regardless of how good you are so that's it's it's like a new feature that i've never seen before that i'm really excited about awesome well we will definitely be looking out for that we will be uh Pick, probably picking it as one of our picks when it launches <laughs> and uh, find all the links and all that information to find, follow all that stuff in our show notes. If you're listening to this and you want more roll for crit, guess what? You're in luck. You can find links to our YouTube comment, comment, YouTube content, weekly live streams, merch, and other stuff at our website, rollforcrit.com. You can also support us on Patreon, join our discord server, get uh, bonus audio episodes every single week. At patreon.com slash roll for crit. This week I'm going to be talking about Spiral, the book of Saw. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, or you can just rate and review us on iTunes, which is also very, very helpful. And if you want to send us an email, ask a question related to board games, we'll read it on the show. You can email us at meeplegallery at gmail.com. Be- become part of the Meeple Gallery. We'd love to have you on. Uh, and again, that's that's it. So again, I'm, I'm thank you, Dom. We'll let you go back to your uh, beautiful family <laughs> and <laughs> away from us. And uh, it's been great having you. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit. <laughs> <laughs>